Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. We have a really exciting show today. We're actually talking to someone all the way from Italy, Torino, Italy, and that is the fabulous Roberto Saraco. Saraco, am I getting that right? Yes, you're getting it right. It's just the fabulous that is not right. (laughs) Well, he is president of the EIT Digital Italian Association and also chair of the Symbiotic Autonomous Systems Initiative of the IEEE FTC. And we're going to get into what that all means. But really what we're going to do is have a really great conversation today on human augmentation. And for those of us who are you know, regular everyday people, you might think of that in terms of robots or androids or um, the the sort of relationship between humans and machines. So let's have a big hand for Roberto. Yay! (laughs) The audience goes wild. So Roberto, tell us about your background and then what all of this means, because you have really exciting titles and places that you're doing things for. So give us some background. Okay, well, I, I ended up being a mathematician, but actually well, I wanted to be a philosopher. So <laughs> the, the closest thing to philosophy was mathematics, and, and that's what I took. And it turned out that it is pretty good, because when we're talking about uh, human augmentation, you've got a, bo- a bit of technology, actually quite a bit of that, but also you've got a lot of philosophy. And I guess we're going to touch some of this today. I've been involved with the IEEE. The IEEE is the International Electronic Engineers uh, um, Association. Uh, We've got some uh, close to 500,000 members all over the world. And more specifically, I'm part of the Future Direction Committee, which is a committee that is looking farther down the lane to see where technology is going and what kind of impact technology might have on us. Oh, that's so exciting. And I, I do love the fact that you are coming from, <clears throat> you know, the, um, you know, philosophy side when it comes to this, because there's so much fear right now when, when we talk about AI, and maybe part of it is because culturally there's been so much science fiction that depicts killer robots and things going wrong. And, you know, 2001, of course, kicked it off, um, you know, with uh, Dave, open the door, you know, um, but, um, you know, should we be afraid of a future of robots? Well, I don't think so. Uh, I, I don't want to, to be over-optimistic, of course, but uh, if you look around at the human stupidity, uh, how many uh, accidents mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, death we are, we are causing every day driving our cars, I'm pretty sure that a little bit of artificial intelligence might help us. Of course, like, <laughs> yeah. like, like any technology, you know, uh, it has some good side and bad side, but these are not part of technology itself. It's just the way we're going to use it that makes the difference. Right. So I guess, yeah. We're, so it's we're, important we're okay. to know technology. Yeah, right. Sure. We can we can get away away with the, the killer robot idea. So so you have an expertise in, in human augmentation. What does that mean for for your day to day? I mean, I know you're teaching. You're one of the many experts, as you mentioned, at the IEEE, um, and you have a lot of different roles. But are you actually building things, or are you um, more or less more of a consultant advising other people? 
No, I'm more of a consultant, even though I spent uh, most of my life in research. And so I used to build things and to experiment with things. Um, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with that. I'm also helping uh, startups, uh, uh, people with great idea to make it happen. So I see both, both sides of that. And are you working more in the side of this, um, you know, where the robots are more um, humanistic, I, I guess is the way to look at it? Or is it more on the robot side of, you know, the Amazon robots that roll out, grab books and stick them into packages? Like wh- which side of this? Or are those all under one category? Like how do we wrap our head around what this all means? Well, actually, I... I, I, of course, I, I'm looking at robots, uh, all kinds of robots, uh, as you as you mentioned. I'm looking at the one of Patty Mays of uh, uh, the MIT, uh, which is uh, developing robots that are engaging for little kids. Uh, I'm looking to robots that uh, may be a social companion for elderly people. Uh, I'm looking to the Amazon carts moving around. So I'm looking at all of that. But actually, I'm more interested in the human side, in the human augmentation side. How can we get augmented by technology. And let me tell you, uh, we are already augmented. We have always been augmented as we started our step on on this planet. Uh, We we started to use tools. Probably uh, we are the first, we are the the, the only species um, that we are aware of that is not just using tools. There are a few other species that are using tools, but that, that have the capability of designing tools so that we can do something. There's no other species in, the, in, the, in existence that we know of that can design tools for then doing something like that. This requires a sort of a virtualization of the world, okay? Imagine yourself in the future and what you would need to, to have in order to do something. And through our tools, we have augmented ourselves. And of course, this augmentation has improved over time. Uh, just think about the Industrial Revolution. We augmented our capability of producing things. We augmented our strength. Uh, nowadays, the augmentation is becoming pervasive. And let me tell you a secret. I know everything. Just give me a smartphone. You give me a smartphone and I know everything. Sometimes I'm sitting in a theater with my wife and my wife is looking at the actor and she's saying, oh, look at that guy. He's, he might be 45, 50. And in a flash, I say, no, he was born on 20th of January, you know, that and that. Um, so we are already augmenting. We don't even realize that. But Internet is augmenting us. And every single day we're doing that. We have an amazing sense of uh, orientation uh, by using our uh, navigator, uh, something that in the past was not possible. Huh. We can do amazing things just using our advanced tools. Right, right, right. I never thought about it that way, but you're right because, you know, my daughter asks me, I have a nine-year-old, and she asks me questions all the time, you know, that are stuff that I knew like 30 years ago maybe, but I don't know, you know what I mean, stuff that I should just be able to to say. And so she even says to me, well, just look it up on your phone, Mom, you know, so (laughs) she doesn't even need to depend on me anymore. She just needs to depend on me to look it up. Yep. You know, Exactly. And we are going to see a, a tremendous growth in this sort of augmentation. And the, the crucial aspect of it is that it has to become seamless. Because only when it's becoming seamless, then you can really be augmented, okay? Otherwise, it's an effort to do something. Right. And, and right. this is coming. 
So, so it to be seamless. And is it, is it going to be, and I, I want to get into specific categories with you, but is it going to be what a lot of people are predicting where it won't be that robots take over, but there'll be this, there will be this, as you point, put it like a synergy between the two where, where AI uh, will help uh, us do things better, but it won't only be dependent on the machine. There will always be this relationship between the two of us. Yes, actually, um, we are studying this kind of thing at the Future Direction Committee, and there's no question about the fact that machines are getting smarter. Uh, Sometimes you, 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 you talk to, some, to something on the Internet, and uh, you may discover it's, uh, it's actually a, a robot, a chat box. And, uh, and some countries are actually coming up with legislation forcing the chat box uh, of course, it means the producer of chatbox to declare upfront that that is not a human, but it's a machine, and and that is telling a lot because it tells you that you can really mistaken an artificial uh, voice, an artificial intelligence for a human intelligence. So this is the 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 thing uh, we are seeing: machine getting smarter and smarter, but we are also learning to become smarter because we have smarter machines. So we are using better and better our machine and we are growing up with them in a sort of symbiosis. But there's another area that is also fascinating, I think, and that is the era of prosthetics. Uh, you know, uh, old Pete Leg used to have this uh, leg uh, made of wood, okay, or something like that. Right. <laughs> well, today, uh, prosthetics are, are really amazing. Uh, they, they are uh, embedding uh, servo mechanism, they are becoming able to talk with the muscles and with the nerves. Uh, they have artificial intelligence embedded in so that they uh, get to know the people that is wearing them. I, I had the, the opportunity and pleasure of, of seeing Hugh Geher from the MIT. He is a professor that lost both legs when yeah. he was young. And uh, he dedicated his life to, to make better prosthetics. And I can tell you that if you're sitting with him, you're seeing him, uh, you'll never realize that he, he has no, full, no feet or no legs. Uh, it's absolutely normal. Um, he walks like, uh, like you and me. He, he goes upstairs, goes downstairs, he dances. He, he does everything, okay? And it's completely natural, okay? I mean, you, you wouldn't be able, you wouldn't believe that he, he hasn't got legs. Uh, but there's another thing that is amazing. And that is that Yuga uh, Her is, is, a, is a sportman, is, a, is really a mountaineering. Actually, he lost his limbs, his, uh, his legs uh, doing mountaineering. And uh, he has uh, found a way of changing his feet, depending on the type of trail that he's uh, going to, to do, the type, the type of uh, mountain he's going, to, he's going up. And he has opened some new uh, trail because of these prosthetics, because he has special feet that can get inside the little crevices and he can, he can go in places where other people cannot go. And he told me once, you know, um, there are some mountaineering that are coming to see me and say, hey, can you give me your feet? <laughs> so so you know, that's, that's a case where the augmentation is actually a wanted thing, not a accident or a problem. Exactly. You see, uh, we are. Th there's a very thin line between replacing something that is not working or you're missing. There's a gap. 
once you reach the point that you are you are filling completely the gap, you ask yourself, well, why not go a little bit farther? Right. Oh, Roberto, we have to take a, a quick break for sure. a commercial, but but we're going to um, come back to, to talking about why not go a little farther in one moment, okay? So we're sure. going to be back with Roberto Sarco, who is an expert in human augmentation. And I think we're going to dig a little bit into um, some of um, the work that Roberto's been doing on the research side, looking at China, looking at new jobs. I know you've written some really interesting articles about the evolution of intelligence. So we're going to be back in a moment with Roberto Sacro digging into the future of killer robots. No, they're not really killer, but we're going to talk about it more. <laughs> we'll back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we are talking about human augmentation with Roberto Sacro, who is president of the EIT Digital Italian Association, um, as well as chairing the Symbiotic Autonomous Systems Initiative of the IEEE. And I know all of that sounds like a lot of letters, <laughs> but Roberto is an expert in this relationship between AI, robotics, um, human augmentation. And so we've been just starting to wrap our heads around what this all means. So I thought I would ask just some uh, looking at trends. So one of the biggest concerns people have about, you know, the, you know, this idea of machines and AI taking over is jobs and what is the future of jobs. So I know you've written a bit about um Watson and how Watson's actually helping the workforce. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what's happening there. Well, yes, um, it's, it's, it's a clear thing, it's a sure thing that the fact that uh, the world is changing rapidly and uh, the way we are doing work today the, is not the way that we are going to, to work tomorrow. That's, that's a, a no-brainer. Uh, we have also seen that there um, some hundred years ago uh, we had every hundred people over 80 were working in agriculture, and today there's only two left. So <laughs> we already had these momentous uh, changes in, in the past. Uh, we have seen um, robotization in our uh, factories, and indeed you, you see companies like um, 
in, in China uh, uh, swapping uh, human workers for robots. Uh, Foxcom is an example. They have uh, over 300,000 uh, 300, robots. Uh, and um, robots uh, are not just uh, better in the sense that uh, uh, they can do uh, with more precision things, okay? Uh, they can be reprogrammed in, in a very quick way. This is something that people usually don't realize. You, you think about a robot, okay, this guy is going to, to steal my job, okay? And uh, these, uh, these people are using the robot because for some reason it's more economical, it provides standardization through the process, through the process and so on. But really the, the key point is that a robot is really flexible. You can change the robot brain in, in, a, in a snap of fingers. Uh, how long does it take for for you to learn a new job? <laughs> it's this is the the real problem, you see, because if you have a human worker and this human worker is working for all his life uh, doing the same thing, well, he's getting better and better and better. But if that human uh, worker is asked to change what he's doing every six months or even every three months then there's a period of time that it's essential uh, for for education. He has to learn the new job. Now, this for robots is not the case. They simply download some new software and that's it. So this is the big issue that uh, that we are facing when we are talking about this, this kind of robotization in, in the industry. The, the, the big issue that uh, we are going to face in the, in, the, in the coming years is the fact that this flexibility of robots, because of artificial intelligence, because of sensors, because of the fact that, that uh, they are becoming able to learn, not because they are taught, but because they can learn by themselves, and also because they can play with their own brain, uh, they duplicate their brain, then they multiply their brain, and then they... They, they play one against the other. Uh, right. it, it's what is called the, the GAN, um, not the G-U-N, but G-A-N. Ah. Uh, okay, so it's not it's GAN. <laughs> and, uh, and these GAN are basically uh, ad general adversarial networks. The idea is that uh, if you have a single network, imagine a process in a company, okay, then you have to program all the pieces and then you'll get the, the optimal process and it works. Uh, but that working will be stable and will keep working as it is forever, okay? But if you have several of these networks, advertise, uh, adversarial, so challenging one another, what's happening is that you have one network doing something and the other one is doing something different. And at the end, they compare the result and they say, hey, I, I did better. And so it's winning. Now, imagine that you have thousands of these adversarial networks. Of course, you will see very rapidly that the optimal solutions are emerging. Now, is this something that we have learned on ourselves because we are so bright, exceptional beings? No. If you look mm -hmm. at the ants, okay? Well, the single ants is pretty stupid. Well, I, I don't know. I don't want to, to despise an ant, but it looks pretty <laughs> stupid. Okay? But if you look at the anthill, the anthill is really, really smart. And if you're looking at uh, all the ants together and you try to put some sugar on your windowsill and you see an ant is coming, moving around in a chaotic way, a random way, I would say, but after a little while, you see a row of ants walking, okay, toward the sugar. Uh, 
And if you are a bad girl and you put a brick, okay, to, to stop the ants, well, you will see that they scatter around. But after a little while, they will find the shortest path to the sugar again. So they show an intelligence. This is what we call an emerging intelligence. Mm. And this is what the robots are doing. And they are going and they are doing they're doing it. They can do that because they duplicate, they multiply their minds inside them, and therefore they can find the optimal solution. Now, what we are seeing is that the robots are becoming chatty and cooperative, social, so they can talk to us and we can talk to them. And we can both learn. We can enter into a symbiotic relation. If you have seen uh, the evolution of Baxter, Baxter is a nice robot that was designed for the very, from the very start to operate with people. And uh, Baxter is produced by Rethinking Robotics, uh, a company in, um, in uh, Massachusetts, in Boston, near Boston. Well, they designed this robot to really be able to work with other people. So you don't have to put a fence around the robot, okay? Well, the, the second release of Baxter was such that uh, a worker can go close to Baxter, can touch Baxter, and say, hey, move your hand this way, and he took it, the hand of the robot, he move it, and show how to do things, okay? Now, the third generation that we have today is a Baxter with eyes, and Baxter is looking not at what he's doing, he has always been do, doing that, of course, but he's looking at what the other people around him, it or him, I don't know, is doing, and are doing, and he starts to learn. Now, what's going to be the fourth generation of Baxter? Well, these people are saying that the fourth generation of Baxter will, of course, be able to do what the third generation is doing, and it will be able to teach humans how to do things in order to work in a better way in the team. So this is something very interesting, and I just learned, uh, and I just saw um, a presentation from uh, Cisco, where uh, they were talking about the future of jobs, and they said, "What kind of skill do we need for the future worker?" Well, I was surprised to to hear that they say one of the very important skill will be to be able to interact with robots to accept a robot as part of the team. Because that is the key to really emerge, to create an emerging intelligence out of, of, of the team. And this is very important. It goes back to your observation before of the, of the fear that sometimes we have, because we are seeing robots as uh, antagonists to us. And uh, we are afraid they're stealing our jobs, they're stealing our breads or whatever. But if you're thinking in terms of teaming with them, to live in a symbiotic relation, then the smarter they are, the smarter you are, if you really can leverage on that. So the huh. key point is to be able to leverage on that, to become smarter. This, by the way, what we have been doing all the centuries, yeah. as more tools became available, better tools, we became more powerful. Right, right. So we, so it's not, it's not, what you're kind of saying is it's not, don't be afraid, but realize that we can benefit from all of this. So like work together like the anthill, if I may. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? I yes. mean, that's, that's, that's real. that's, that's actually a much more positive way to think about it. I mean, the, you know, the question to ask you just because this is what, 
you know, the, the fear that everyone has, a lot of it has been created culturally through Hollywood, right? And mm-hmm. through yeah. other entertainment properties. And we're going to need to take a break in a moment. But I, I'd love to find out from you why are we so prone to looking at this so so negatively um, when there, there are people like you also and the folks at IEEE too that are looking at the ethics that are wanting to set rules that are really paying attention to all of this. So maybe when we come back, Roberto, we can talk more about, you know, why Hollywood has gone so, uh, you know, dark on the human augmentation concept rather than looking at it more positively. Um, So we'll be back in a moment with Roberto Sarico, who is an expert in human augmentation. I'm speaking to us uh, straight from Italy Toronto, where he has invited me to hang out with him. <laughs> the tech Absolutely. cat in Italy, that's what I'm saying. All right, we'll be back in a moment to talk more about kindly, um, hardworking robots on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. We've been talking to Roberto Saccaro, who is an expert in human augmentation, and we were just talking about a more positive way to think about, um, you know, working with with um, machines and um, that there's a lot of power in that partnership and what's going to happen between, um, you know, using your sort of expression, Roberto, the dualism between humans and machines and and how um, those things can create something even better. Um, So I'm just curious because, you know, Hollywood has really set the tone with negative utopias, if you want, or just, you know, um, scary movies about robots taking over. And that moment in time where we lose control because we have partnered with machines. So why does Hollywood and why do content creators go in that direction all the time? Well, I think the problem is us. It's not Hollywood. Uh, The the fact is that uh, we as human beings are much more for evolutionary reason, of course, um, susceptible to, to bad things than to good things. 
uh, a bad things is, is really something that is scaring you and it's uh, providing you some sort of an electrical shock. So you react immediately. We are engineered for that, okay, through evolution. And this is why we are still here on the planet because we have been able to, to react to bad things. Uh, so Hollywood is just leveraging on this kind of psychological uh, way we are, we are, we are. but anyhow, take into account that uh, even in these uh, catastrophic uh, movies or something like that, usually you have uh, the, the, the good guys uh, is always, are always winning, and uh, some of these good guys might be robots, okay? <laughs> there are several uh, movies that start with bad robots, and then there's a good robot, and is going to help the humans, and so on. So, I, I mean, this is just the play, okay? The, the, and it's not just Hollywood. I mean, if you're looking at the Greek drama of 2000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, they were exactly on the same page. So it's nothing, it's nothing different. They, they were using gods, okay? The bad gods and the good god. Uh, but uh, it's the same story. Uh, with artificial intelligence, we, we can inject into this machine uh, a little bit of, of our uh, imagination of our soul, we are saying, oh, you know, they, they are getting smarter, and what if they are getting smarter than me? And then since I know that I'm not that good, so they might also be not that good. So, <laughs> But if they are smarter than me and they are not good as I'm not good, then we've got a problem. So, you see, it's all about ourselves. It's not really about the machine, I think. Right, and I think to to your point, we do like dram- dramatic and scary and things like that. <clears throat> but there there is this continuous idea of this moment where we just go too far, you know, like all the movies and and some some great things that have really become um, sort of the core the cornerstone to to science fiction thinking. And certainly from the '60s onward, science fiction has become, you know, a technology thought starter right so if you look at star trek and star wars and how they've really led us to inventing things um you you know you start to think about how there's that fine line between reality and science fiction um so so it's always kind of scary um about the day that the robots take over you know um and, and speaking of robots um and i wanted to bring up china a little bit because china comes up a lot in our conversations about artificial intelligence and just, you know, the direction that they're going with all of this technology. And certainly um, there's all these press releases about what they're doing with robots. I wonder if you had any thoughts to share on, on where China stands with all of this. Well, you know, it used to be that uh, Japan and uh, South Korea were leading the pack in terms of robotics. But nowadays, China, I think, is uh, advancing. And it is advancing for two main reasons, I think. Uh, the first one is that, that they are the, the, the big, the huge factory of the world. And so they have been using robots for many, many years. Um, most of these robots were produced in Germany, but nowadays they are home-made in China. So they have a, a very, very huge uh, uh, area where they can try, learn, and, and get better. So this is the first thing. The second thing is that uh, uh, the Chinese, but I would say uh, like uh, like the Koreans and the Japanese, are are interesting in robots. Uh, if you're look, also looking at cartoons, okay, you will see here we have Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse. <laughs> they tend to have robots, 
and, and they have invi- invaded uh, robots also on our screen. Uh, so they, they grow up with this idea of robots that are that are part of, of, of the environment of our world, something that you have to, to take into account and something that you can use to your advantage. If you look in this cartoon, there's always a good robot that is playing with the kids. Uh, now, uh, it might be nice to see what they are doing with robots in, in outside of, of the factories. And I have seen that uh, there are several restaurants now that are using robots. A, a robot waiter or a robot cook costs some like uh, 7,000 US dollar, okay? Um, now, 7,000 US dollar in, in China is a lot of money. But when you start to say that, uh, uh, well, I have a big restaurant and uh, I'm open 24 hours a day or 20 hours a day or whatever, uh, so I need to have uh, three people to cover the the whole time, okay? Well, you just need one robot for that. And, of course, then you have uh, Sundays and uh, and holidays or something like that, even though they they don't have that many as we do, uh, but still, uh, you, you need to have some extra people. So, eventually, a robot can... Uh, substitute probably some uh, uh, five or six people, okay? And at that point, the price uh, uh, gets interesting, also from, from just the price point. Added to that, uh, that the Chinese are um, amazed by being served by a robot, by being able to talk to a robot and order something. And um, then they can also see on their table, uh, through a screen, uh, the robot cook, that is cooking the food that they've just ordered. Mm-hmm. So all these kinds of things are engaging. The, you, you have a, a thin line between eating and entertainment, okay? They, they are, and, and this is also true for, for us, okay? We usually try to, to present the food in a, some nice way because uh, entertaining uh, people is also an important part of it. Uh, so they get these through, through robots. Uh, now, uh, if you do your math, uh, there's this company in in China that they are planning to to extend in China and abroad, robotizing their uh, restaurants, and they they plan to have five thousand restaurants wow. robotized. Now five thousand five thousand, and consider that you have at least twenty people in a restaurant if if you are counting the, the shifts. Okay, so twenty is is really a minimum number of people. Uh, well, that means uh, under thousand people. Okay, that yeah. they, they may lose their job, and this is just we're just talking of a fast food or something like that. Under thousand people, that's a huge thing. You you think about America? Uh, how many trucks do you have? How many truck drivers? I think they are in the millions. And, yeah. And, so you think once, you're thinking we're going to robotize the trucks? Well, they, they have already started. They have the platoons now, you know. Right. They are already operating in Arizona, in Nevada, in other places. And um, the reason for having a platoon, which means uh, several trucks, uh, one after the other, is twofold. First one is uh, uh, with just one driver in the first truck, uh, you, you can drive, uh, you can ride uh, seven, eight of these trucks. So you're saving some people driving. But second, more important, is the fact that uh, by having robot drivers, or, well, actually, the, the truck is becoming a robot, okay, uh, they, they actually can drive, they, uh, they can follow one another just a few yards apart. And this is decreasing drag tremendously. And they can save up to 25, 30% of gasoline by using this kind of mechanism. Uh, 
So this is the second important thing. And of course, when the trucks get to Phoenix, they, they stop on the outskirts of Phoenix and um, uh, there will be human drivers that pick up individual trucks and they will go different ways uh, to, to deliver the, the goods and whatever. So I, this, this is really coming. Roberto, um, I, I thought we were going to have to take a break, but we don't actually. But I have one question for you. Is the reason, is it again that, that um, partnership that you're talking about, if you have a human being <clears throat> driving that first truck, so then you have that human thinking at the top of all of this, guiding everybody. Um, is that is that the reasoning for having the human at the beginning part? It goes back to what you've been saying that the, this partnership thing. Yes, I think that uh, um, first of all, we haven't reached the point uh, where you can trust a truck to drive uh, completely in a completely autonomous way. Okay. Uh, second, you have a problem of responsibility and accountability. You want to have a human being to be held accountable. So you, you need to have that. And this is everywhere. Uh, I haven't yet seen uh, really these uh, completely autonomous car or trucks. Uh, they are feasible. They are possible, okay? But in the end, uh, you see, you, you want to have the, the human part there. So uh, this is a, uh, this is part of it. And, and uh, one bad thing... Uh, for you, Laurie, yeah. is that in China, they, they started uh, just this week uh, uh, to have uh, one uh, robo-anchor to, to entertain people to read the news. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I, I knew this, this is bad news for you. But let me tell you, I, I saw it, and you shouldn't be afraid of that. Okay. I know. That's like, um, well, at least they won't have to worry about Botox and other things. But um, we're going to have to take one more break, and then we'll come back to, to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit about ethics, which does come up a lot. Um, you know, how are we going to make the best decisions about all of this. And um, I don't think I can handle any more competition, Roberto. I'm just telling you. All right, we're going to be back in a moment. We're talking about human augmentation with the fabulous Roberto Saccaro, who is an expert in this relationship between humans and machines. We'll be back in a moment on the Tech Cat Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America.
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Tech Cat Show. And we've been talking about human augmentation with Roberto Saccaro um, and just sort of going over, um, again, that cooperation between machines and humans. Um, and I just had a, an ethics question, Roberto. Like, is there, I know that the IEEE is doing this and there are other organizations. And in fact, I know Google has a handbook about this, but, you know, how do we manage making the right decisions about how this all plays out? Um, you know, there's that ethical question at some point about is something human? Um, and, and I'm a huge Star Trekkie. And so, you know, there, that topic came up a lot um, in Next Generation and some of the other series about, you know, when do we treat what we've built as human? And so, and also, how do we make sure we've set the right rules in motion? Um, you know, iRobot I certainly had three rules yes. that they were, they were played with. So, <laughs> <laughs> and so, do you do a lot of thinking about ethics? Uh, yes, we do. Um, in in this group we have at the IEEE, we are connecting uh, with uh, with several groups uh, all around the world. And ethics is is actually, uh, I would say, a fascinating area uh, because when you're starting to consider ethics, uh, you really start to realize that uh, everything is relative. Okay, there's no uh, silver bullet that uh, can uh, have everybody happy. Um, Ethics is all about us, okay? What we feel, what we believe, uh, and uh, then we derive a, a number of uh, of rules uh, that uh, would make us uh, good guys. The problem is that uh, we will be good guys in that particular environment. What when that particular environment changes? We never had the ethical issue of uh, prolonging human life uh, when a person was really, really sick, okay? Uh, because simply there was no option. And, and so there was no ethical problem. Nowadays, you can keep uh, alive a person, okay, uh, for as long as, you know, months, years, uh, even though that, that person would have been dead had he lived uh, 50 years ago. So this is an ethical problem. Uh, we have uh, uh, an elderly population, and mind you, I'm elderly, so I'm talking, okay, as part How of. How about let's change that to experienced? <laughs> yeah, uh, well, well, it's it's elderly it gives more the point. Uh, <laughs> you see, Laurie, um, if you're looking at statistics in the U.S., you'll discover that uh, most, and really most, of what is being spent for healthcare is being spent in the last six months of our life. Huh. And wow. uh, now, the, the question is, if uh, we accept uh, to spending just half of that, that would be a lot of money, okay? Maybe that would result in the fact that rather than living six months, you're living only five. But with that money, you can help people live 40 years more. Okay, in other in other places. 
So what is ethical? What is the right ethical decision? Is it uh, to, to stop medicine at a certain point so that you save money? Or is it to say, no, as long as a life is possible to, to have, to keep going, we, we need to, to, to keep it going. Now, these are big issues when you're talking about robots. Because what happens is that, uh, of course, you want a robot to be as smart as possible. Isn't that right? Yeah. Uh, you, you want, you want to, to, to be able to, to make a decision, the best possible decision. The problem, of course, is what is best? Who is deciding what is best? And in this particular case, would you have a robot surgeon that is uh, operating on you and is seeing, oh, my way, is no way, uh, if, if I keep going, I'm going to spend a lot of, of effort, money, and so on, and it will just last for 10 more days. So that robot would make the decision of saying, let's stop here. Now, what do we, see? What do we say about that? Yeah. <laughs> you see, this is really, really, really tricky. Because yeah. on, one, on one hand, you can say, okay, let's get rid of the problem. And let's say that uh, the robot does exactly what I'm telling it to do. So every ethical decision cannot be uh, delegated to a robot or to a machine or to a software. Okay. But there should always be a person that takes the decision. The other approach is to say, let's create a common framework between human and machine. And machine, I mean also software, of course, artificial intelligence and so on. So we are living in a common framework. We try to develop together this common framework because this framework is based on facts as well. So what is the probability of a person getting well if I'm doing this kind of thing? What kind of technology can I use to have it, uh, this person improve? And of course, this is not a question that can be answered once for all. It depends on what the status of technology. So what is good today is not going to be good tomorrow. So it's a continuous evolution. And it's evolution that also takes place in different parts of the world. So now you have a machine that potentially is connected to every other machine in the world. And right. the ethical decision, where is it taken? Okay? Yeah. You see, it's it's very complicated, but it's it has always been complicated to, to take decisions. It's just the fact that we have more option that we had probably in the past, and the scenario is changing more rapidly than in the past. So in the past, we can take uh, uh, five years to come to an ethical uh, decision, and that was it, and it was good for the coming 50 years. Now it's no longer like that. Right, everything's moving so fast. Hey, Roberto, where can we learn more about what you're doing and all the great work that you're doing? I know there's a blog on the IEE site and, and you're publishing such interesting um, articles. Tell us about where we can find you. Okay, well, if you if you Google for me, <laughs> uh, for my name, you will, you will find that my blog is exhausted by the Future Direction Committee and every single day I'm writing, I'm writing something, you know, something crazy. Uh, <laughs> as an example, tomorrow morning, take a look at my blog and you'll, you'll see that I'm discussing the fact that we can no longer measure the speed of light. Oh, yes. wow. That's, 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 that's going to be controversial. Um. No, 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 no that's, <laughs> that, that is something that, that, that is already true uh, since 1983. But I mean, ah. most of the people don't know about that. Anyhow, yeah. um, so the blog is surely a, a good source. Another thing, you can drop me an email at roberto.saracco at gmail.com. And I'm usually answering pretty quickly. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. 
okay. against Roberto Saracco. So that's another place. And of course, uh, you, you, you may want to follow the, the Future Direction Committee website where there are some engaging events coming up. We, are just, uh, uh, we have just finished one, the Technology Time Machine, which was an amazing event in San Diego uh, two weeks ago, where we discussed the future. And it mm. is great to discuss the future if you really feel that you can build it, okay? Right, right, right. Well, we, we have to wrap up, but it's been so great to talk to you. And just so everyone gets the spelling of your name, Roberto Sacro is S-A-R-A-C-C-O, and you can definitely Google him. And there's just so many great articles about this this world that I always feel so much more positive ever t- after talking to someone like you because you kind of set the record straight um, about what's really happening as opposed to all of that more scarier um, scarier visions and images that are that are coming from the entertainment world. But um, it's been great talking to Roberto Saccaro, president of the EIT Digital Italian Association, also chair of the Symbiotic Autonomous Systems Initiative at the IEEE, and overall strategist and smarty pants about human augmentation. <laughs> Thank you so much, Roberto. That's your Thanks official you, Laurie. It's a pleasure. Smarty pants. Thank you so much. <laughs> And we'll be back next week with another Smarty Pants on the Tech Cat Show. Come and join us as we dig more into the future of everything. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 